Welcome to Ask Dr. Julie Hanks, a safe place for healing conversations that educate and empower you to prioritize your dreams, revolutionize your family, and personalize your faith. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Hanks, a psychotherapist and coach offering online courses and programs to help women all over the world heal themselves and their relationships. Join me here every week as I coach a listener through a specific challenge and empower them with tools to find healing. I'm so happy to have Caitlin on the podcast today. Welcome, Caitlin. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. I'm happy you're here. What is your question for me today? Um, well, I I hope it's okay. I wrote some stuff down just so that that way it could, you know, be sort of easy to understand. Um, so I'm going to just, I'll read my question. So faith is important to me, but um, I've experienced and witnessed some pretty hurtful behavior done in the name of faith. So how do I reconcile my faith with abuse done in the name of righteousness? Mm-hmm. And I'm using the term abuse just a little bit loosely here because my examples range from sort of what I have seen as sort of an abuse of power by overstepping authority to actual verbal or emotional abuse. And I have had testimony building experiences that make my faith and religious practice important to me, but I've not been active for a few years and struggle with some family relationships because of people who try to control others at almost any cost because they think that they have the right or the duty to do that. Mm-hmm. And there are good people in the church. And I've had a lot of really great experiences in the church as well. And in fact, actually, even some of the great experiences that I've had are with some of the people that these concerns are about, which is part of what makes this so complicated because it just feels really multifaceted to me. Mm-hmm. And I want to have this religious practice in my life, but it feels a little bit like it has to be all or nothing and that there's not really room for me to figure things out while I'm participating. Mm. Okay. Really well said. Um, okay. So kind of the core of the question is how do you reconcile? Mm-hmm. Yeah. These, do you want to give us an example of what you are calling abuse of power or just an example of one of those situations that, that you're struggling to reconcile? Sure. I have, um, I also wrote down sort of four different examples and I've made them very kind of snapshot okay. because I don't want to get too stuck in the reads on things, but I think each one kind of highlights a different aspect of it again, because I feel like it's sort of multifaceted. Mm-hmm. And so the first one is kind of unrighteous dominion over family or loved ones, which is sort of more of that family side of things where, you know, they parents have to lead their family in righteousness, but then as people grow up, then it kind of can become like, at what point do you let that person go and make the choices that are right for them in their lives? Mm-hmm. And so in, in my family, there's been sort of more conservative family members who end up really emotionally lashing out when someone behaves in a way that they don't think that they should. And it can include name calling. Sometimes they use expletives on the person. There's extreme anger. Uh, there can be shouting and physical intimidation. And, and just to be clear, in my immediate family, there's not been abuse. But I know in my extended family that there have been a few situations of occasional physical things happening. But that's not been my personal experience, thank goodness. Okay. okay. Um, can I stop you on that yeah, one? Absolutely. So what in that situation with family members, what is in your control? How I treat the different people in my family um, mm-hmm. and also 
how I react to the person. And Mm -hmm. I've even tried to talk to the people when something happens like that. I've tried to talk to the person about, you know, like, Hey, that was hurtful or, or that was problematic or that could be handled in a different way or something. And, um, I feel like I've gotten better at having skills to be able to have those conversations over the years, but they Mm -hmm. still don't always, you know, they sometimes it ends up getting turned on. Yeah. 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 So you have, control over how you respond, how you treat those people. And you also have control over how much interaction you have with them, right? Like you, you're not obligated to interact with people who are verbally abusive to you, mm-hmm. right? So you have and, and sometimes we don't give ourselves that right to like, well, you can distance from that relationship or you can say, you know what, if you talk to me like that again, I'm not answering any of your phone calls for the next year. This is not okay. Or whatever that boundary is that you want to set. So that's also in your control. Okay. I think what's tricky for me, and and this goes back to that sort of how do you reconcile things mm-hmm. is that I do still want those relationships in my life, you know, because, Mm -hmm. um, I would say, you know, if you were to put a ratio on it, that the ratio of positive interactions to negative interactions is significantly higher on the positive side, but Mm -hmm. the negative ones are really big. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the problem is sometimes it can feel a little bit like, is this going to be the moment where something happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Got it. And so you can also set smaller boundaries like I'm leaving this conversation. This feels abusive. I'm leaving. Or you hang up the phone. You do not have to engage in any interaction that is harmful to you. Do you give yourself that permission? Um, I I've had conversations where I've sort of been like, this isn't, you know, I I have shut down a couple of conversations, but I think it's a work in progress. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's definitely helpful to, know that it's okay to not have that sort of all or nothing. Like I either have to completely cut them off or, you know, Mm -hmm. um, choose to just kind of let them behave however they want, even if it's hurtful, you know, right. It's knowing that there's a balance. There's so much in the middle. There's setting boundaries with conversations, with topics. There's setting boundaries in the moment. There's setting boundaries ahead of time or after it happens to say, you know what, that's not going to happen again. If you want a relationship with me, You can't talk to me like that. So there are all different ways to to be in charge of what comes into your life and your Mm -hmm. emotional space. And Mm -hmm. it's not all or nothing. Okay. That's, yeah, that's really helpful. Good, good. Um, Do you mind if I jump into a couple of the sort of more church? Sure. I mean, that that one, I I think the reason for me that that feels church-oriented is because of the fact that it's sort of a lot of the reasons that they give for their outbursts. Mm -hmm. They're trying to help someone supposedly stay on the straight and narrow or, you know, that kind of thing. And so, but then on on thinking about kind of going back to church, like I said, I, I miss it and I do have a testimony, you know, in a lot of ways, it's just some of the things sort of feel like they're kind of getting in the way and getting a little it gets a little emotionally messy, I think, mm-hmm. uh, about the idea of going back. And again, it kind of comes down to, you know, I feel like it has to be this sort of all or nothing experience. Mm-hmm. And so I think the biggest thing that's holding me back right now is uh, that 
I had some experiences with leadership or callings where they just, it felt like they just asked for too much. And mm-hmm. in one case, the the Relief Society president was very openly critical of me. And um, to me personally, she would leave me these really critical, harsh messages that were attacking me as a person. Mm-hmm. And then she would also, you know, uh, criticize me to other people as well. Mm-hmm. And then she would ask me to do things that I just felt like were really unreasonable. Like she didn't like the artwork in some of our meeting rooms and told me it was my responsibility to get that artwork replaced with pieces that she liked better. And when I would try to sort of say like, Hey, you know, kind of like, I'm happy to work on that. If that's something that is sort of like, there's a pathway to do that, but I don't know that there is. And any kind of feedback like that would result in sort of a verbal lashing a little bit. Um, And then, you know, there've also just been other experiences of being like, you get called to an activities committee and you go, okay, well, I have this idea for this activity. And they go, no, no, we've always done it this way. And you can't do, you know, for whatever reason, you can't do it that way because you don't have the time or the resources, you know, like the financial resources, like maybe the person before you made a lot of money and could invest their own money into that activity. And, you know, you just don't have those abilities. And I've had experiences where the bishopric is kind of like, no, we have to do it that way because that's what people like or something. And even though their numbers aren't actually really very high for people coming to that activity. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, so there are things with that um, and just people kind of like I've had high council members who I don't know very well in wards come up to me and ask pretty invasive questions about my personal choices. Like I'm divorced. And so asking why I didn't have kids with my ex-husband or why it's taking me so long as a single person to get married again, you know, and, things like that when I, I don't really know them very well and it feels inappropriate for them to be asking mm-hmm. those questions. And so with that, and then just certain church policies that I don't agree with and that I've, you know, kind of prayed, well, not kind of, I've prayed a lot about and, and done a lot of, you know, soul searching about, I, I just feel like there's a disconnect between the faith building experiences that I've had that are very personal and that have really given me a beautiful testimony that I'm grateful for and made my faith matter. But then if I go back, it feels like I have to take a calling and I have to say yes to things and I have to support my leadership, even if they're not supporting me specifically. Mm. Why, why is it? I have, if I go back, I have to say yes to everything and be okay with everything. That's a great question. Um, I think, I think that it might be because partially, I think a big part of it is that that's how I was raised, you know, is because if you sustain this sort of theoretically, like if you sustain the leadership, then you believe that they are called of God and that anything that they ask you to do is divinely inspired and that you should say yes to them. And because they're sort of higher up on the totem pole that you that they know more than you or they have a better perspective than you do. And you should just say yes to things, even if you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. So you were raised in a very orthodox black and white framework, which many of us were. Well, let's talk about sustain for a second. Sustain does not mean agree with. Mm -hmm. Sustain means to nourish and support. 
It doesn't mean agree with. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I can, I can disagree with a leader and still nourish him, like give him grace to go, okay, you know what? He's a good guy. Like, or she's a good woman that I don't agree with that. Or I've been extended this calling. This doesn't feel right to me. Let's have a conversation about this. So sustain does not mean agree. So that's one piece. Okay. And then the other piece that you're pointing to is the tension between general authority or local authority and personal authority. Okay. I don't think I understand that one. Okay. So general authorities have general authority and give general counsel. Local authorities have local authority and give local counsel and guidance for the local group, whether it's a stake or a ward. Each calling has their authority, you know, the authority of the Relief Society president or whatever, primary worker. They're in charge of their class. You have personal authority over your life. No one else does. And so sometimes there's tension between what your leaders using their authority are suggesting or calling or whatever, and your personal authority. Sometimes there's tension between those, and that's okay. That's part of the journey is to figure out, okay, in what ways do I need to grow by taking a calling that I'm uncomfortable with? Or at what point do I say, you know what, I have had a personal confirmation that this is not the right time for me to be the primary president or whatever it is. Can we talk about that? Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel right to me. And what I found with leaders is that if you open up a conversation and say, you know what, this, it doesn't feel like the right time for me, that they're very open to it. I mean, the ones that I've come in contact with, I'm sure there are some that aren't. But again, you have the personal authority to make those calls. I think where I, where I struggle with that is that, um, you know, there are different promises that I feel like I've made in, in various levels of covenants to dedicate everything I have mm-hmm. and give my all to the calling. And, and I think that there have been previous experiences where I've overextended myself because mm-hmm. You know, to me, that's sort of giving everything until you're completely drained. And I think that's maybe a part of it as well. Yes. And that's a really common pattern among Latter-day Saints. And a lot of my therapy clients have come in with that. So Jesus Christ is our example, Mm -hmm. right? And we often talk about his sacrifices. But guess what? He also practiced self-care. In the New Testament, it talks about him going to the mountains by himself to kind of regroup. Hmm. Think about he was sleeping on the boat during the storm, which means he slept. He didn't just ignore his physical and mental and emotional and spiritual needs. He took time alone to regroup. Hmm. And Hmm. we never talk about that. Yeah. And it's frequently mentioned in the scriptures. And so I think that kind of gives us permission, if you need permission, to value what you need, too, so you can offer yourself to building the kingdom. Mm -hmm. 
Mm, yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I think one of the things that I kind of have struggled with in, in thinking about these things mm-hmm. is that, you know, whether it's my personal study or, you know, trying to be active in church or different things like that. And, and definitely the pandemic has, you know, played a bit of a role in that as well. But yes. um, with all of that, I think I just, when I start to read general conference talks and I come across things that I don't agree with or um, things that don't feel right to me about, I mean, most of it does just for the record, I, mm-hmm. I have a lot of respect for, you know, most of the church authority and there's a lot of really good things that come out of that and everything. But um, just, you know, once in a while, you know, something will come up that I'm kind of like that, like this feels like that person's opinion mm-hmm. more than an actual gospel truth. Mm-hmm. But again, growing up in a black and white kind of orthodox uh, family, it feels a little bit like if it comes across the pulpit, whether it's in our ward or or general conference, or if it's in the scriptures or the ensign or something like that, that we should sort of take it as gospel truth and not question it. And so I feel like part of it too, is that I'm, again, just having a hard time reconciling those things mm-hmm. as well. Well, I'm going to be bold. Okay. <laughs> what you were taught is wrong. Mm, okay. <laughs> Not everything that comes across the pulpit is gospel truth. A lot of it is opinions. And people change their minds too. And people contradict, like the leaders contradict each other too. So what if that's by design? So we have to use personal revelation to go, does this apply to me? How can I integrate this into my life? This doesn't sit right with me. Maybe that's not a message I need to hear at this point in my life. It requires you to use your personal authority and personal revelation. And I think that's what was missing in your upbringing is it was just all about the external authority where I think where you are, you are wanting to claim some internal authority, but you're feeling bad about it. Like you're wrong, like shame. You shouldn't be doing this, Caitlin. Yeah. Yeah, And accurate. (laughs) And I think you're just growing in your faith. I don't think there's anything wrong. Oh, interesting. Because I I think I've just felt so. Sorry, I feel like you're so good and you get everyone to cry. Uh, (laughs) I'm not trying to. Uh, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll make it through without crying, but no, you got me. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> That's good. Um, anyway, I, yeah, I, I definitely think that, um, that I've been feeling broken because, because I feel like I'm not measuring up, you know, by accepting everything and, and being 110% in and kind of overextending myself and stuff. So, yeah. yeah, I think you hit it on the head. Yeah. What if you're not broken? What if you're exactly where you need to be? You're on your journey of growth. And what if this is actually growth? Yeah. You know, I think it is. I think it's growing out of the model that you learned that Mm -hmm. worked for a long time, but doesn't work anymore. And that's part of growing up. Like, good job. (laughs) (laughs) Not everything our parents teach us is right, too. It's their interpretation. And now you get to interpret it for yourself. Yeah, I I like that a lot. That feels really like one of my heart feels full. So yeah, good. 
And that, when I feel that way, that tells me that something is true. Like when it resonates with my, the best part of my spirit, Mm -hmm. that's how I recognize truth. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so maybe that is the spirit telling you you're not broken and you are growing and maybe there's nothing wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Something to think about for Mm -hmm. sure. (laughs) Yeah. I want to go back to how do I reconcile these things that other people have done that don't feel aligned with the gospel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't have to reconcile it. They were wrong. Hmm. They made mistakes. That's it. And the gospel can still be true. And you can still participate in it, even though there are broken people all around you. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I I think that that, you know, makes a lot of sense, too, with what you said earlier about how in sustaining them that you can kind of say, I don't agree with this or I can't do that thing right now. That doesn't feel right for me. But, you know, this person is a good person and they're doing what they can to fill their calling in the way that they think is right for them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Another definition of sustain, interestingly, Mm -hmm. is to endure or to suffer. Oh, that's interesting. So what if in promising to sustain, we promise to nourish and support and to suffer (laughs) like through their imperfections, you know, because sometimes we, that's part of what's required Mm -hmm. or to like to undergo and not that people are intentionally harming, you know, I think most people have good hearts. Yeah, absolutely. But part of being the body of Christ is suffering because of other people's imperfections. And what if that's part of sustaining? Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's definitely a way I hadn't thought about it before. Yeah. So you don't have to reconcile bad behavior. It's just bad behavior. <laughs> it's not so easy for you to see it that way. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's easy for me to see it for you, but it's hard for me to see it for myself. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, I feel like even just having that, you know, sort of like in the back of my mind, like if I have, if I run into something and, and again, it's not, it's not the majority of the time. It's just over my lifetime that there have been kind of some experiences that have built up that I think I'm working through. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But I I think that, you know, in the occasions where those things come up, um, I think that even just having that sort of thought in my mind of Mm -hmm. that was just an imperfect moment. Like that just, Mm -hmm. that's all it was. Yeah. Able to kind of let it go, I think, instead of trying to give it more weight than maybe those things deserve. Right. It feels like you were trying to make it make sense with the gospel instead of just going, that wasn't right. That didn't feel, you know, that was a mistake or, wow, that was a misstep. Mm -hmm. And let it be that and not have you have to question your engagement in the church if that's what you choose. Yeah. 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 And I think especially with the pandemic, one of the things that has been really complicated and and interesting 
has been the fact that, you know, there's, there are virtual meetings and all of a sudden the way in which I interact with the church, there are more options and trying to figure out. And, and I know that that's not, the plan is not for that to be the case permanently, but for the time being, it's been interesting to kind of figure out what that level is. And I think I'm just, I've been attending the online sacrament meetings, mm-hmm. but kind of not doing much else. Mm-hmm. Um, and we moved into a new area and I don't know anybody in the ward. And so I think I just have been thinking about going back to doing it in person, at least to, to see if we feel comfortable, you know, yeah. going in person. But yeah, I think all of this is really helpful in being able to feel more confident and taking a step in that direction. So I really appreciate that so much. You are welcome. You're welcome. Remember, you are in charge of your faith journey. This is up to you. It's not outside of you. Mm -hmm. And claim that. And that is just such a powerful place to be where you're not looking for other people to give you anything or to make mistakes or whatever, because it's inside of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've got this. Yeah. And I, I think the problem that I've felt like is, is that with some of the experiences is that like, for example, like I'm, I'm divorced. And so, you know, I, I was single for a long time and I Mm -hmm. wanted to have my ceiling canceled with my ex-husband and that policy has changed a few times back and forth in the church. And so at the time when that happened, the policy was that I had to stay sealed to him until I found somebody new Mm. and that ended up getting reversed. And it just, that was part of it too, is that I just kind of felt like my gut instinct was that God loved me enough to have a relationship with me and know me, even if I was not sealed to him anymore Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and, and was single. And so as I prayed about that, it ended up turning out that the church had changed the policy again. And so anyway, I was able to go ahead and and get that canceled, which was a really beautiful faith uh, promoting experience. Mm, Good. Um, But then, you know, just with kind of thinking about things, you know, I felt like, well, you know, there are, there have been times that my personal revelation has been correct. And so how do you trust that when it's in conflict with the church? And I think that some of the things that you've talked about and suggested are really, yeah, they really give me some good groundwork, I think, to go back to building on that. Wonderful. Wonderful. What stands out from our conversation that you're going to continue to ponder, think about? I think the the two main points for me are giving more grace to others, which I, I think I've always tried to give grace to others, but mm-hmm. I think that my frustration kind of built to a point where it was getting in the way. And I think stepping back from that and just kind of going, this doesn't need to be reconciled. Like this is just this person in this moment, like we're Mm -hmm. all human. It's fine. And then also I think giving more faith to my own faith journey and my personal revelation and focusing on that sort of personal relationship that I have with Mm -hmm. heavenly father and focusing on prayer and, and the way that, building my faith on, on what the church has to offer instead of trying to, you know, fill all the crevices, I guess, you mm-hmm. know, that I'm asked to fill. Um, I think that that, that's really a big one is having more faith in myself and being able to build on that. Wonderful. 
Wonderful. Thank you, Caitlin, for being willing to to share your heart on the podcast today. And I hope it was helpful. I just, I can feel your heart and it's good. And I, I just want to tell you, like I can see in your eyes and feel in my heart that, that you're good and you can trust yourself. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And thank you so much for having me on and for all of your insight and, and just, I think it's really helpful and I really appreciate it so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Ask Dr. Julie Hanks, a podcast helping real women seek solutions to life's biggest challenges. If you'd like to learn more, you can connect with me on social media at Dr. Julie Hanks and at drjuliehanks.com, where you'll find information about virtual groups, coaching, and online courses. For therapy services in Utah, visit wasatchfamilytherapy.com. thought, hey, I want to talk to Dr. Julie Hanks about this question. Well, now's your chance. I want to have you on my podcast. So email hello at drjuliehanks.com with your question and the reason why you want to be on the podcast. And we may just choose you for a free coaching session.